On this episode of Heat Treat Radio, we're discussing data. If there's one thing that has significantly changed in the heat treat world in the last decade, it's the quantity and quality of data. What the heck do you do with all the data? How do you collect it? How do you decide which data sets to capture? And after you capture them, how can you learn anything from them? Data, data everywhere, and not a drop the drink. Welcome to Heat Treat Radio. I'm your host and publisher of Heat Treat Today, Doug Glenn. Today, we're going to talk to one of the industry's leading authorities on data, Jim Oakes from Super Systems Inc. But before we do, why don't you take a little cyber trip over to heattreattoday.com and see all the data we have there. We've got aerospace heat treat data, we've got automotive heat treat data, we've got medical heat treat data, and energy heat treat data, as well as general manufacturing heat treat data. In fact, we're adding at least one new piece of heat treating data every day. On Tuesday, we publish technical content. We call it Technical Tuesday. If you're a manufacturer with in-house heat treat, we're pretty sure you're going to find heattreattoday.com really helpful. Before we get started, here's a word about this episode's sponsor. Today's Heat Treat Radio is brought to you by Dry Coolers, designers and builders of industrial cooling systems and the professional engineering services surrounding those systems. As a leader in the heat treat industry for decades, they're located in Oxford, Michigan and supply cooling systems for the aerospace, automotive, medical and energy industries, plus many others. If you have any industrial cooling needs, call Dry Coolers. You can find them on the web at www.drycoolers.com or by phone at 800-525-8173. Let's get started on today's topic, data. Our guest is Jim Oaks from Super Systems Incorporated. Hi, Jim. Take a minute and introduce yourself to our listeners. Hi, Doug. Uh, this is Jim Oaks with Super Systems. We're a a technology provider for uh, the heat treating industry. We focus on uh, sensors, controls, uh, and software uh, for uh, the thermal processing and heat treating industry. Uh, and we've been doing that for uh, over 20 years now. Jim, how many years have you been in the, in the heat treat industry? 15. Okay, 15 years. So over the past 15 years, what impresses you about the way we're using data now as opposed to the way we used it back then? Well, a couple things actually. I, uh, my my introduction to the uh, to the industry was actually uh, longer ago than that. I uh, started as an internship, and oddly enough, uh, at that uh, internship, it was uh, for uh, a technology provider in the heat treating industry, and uh, I was involved in doing data capture from a, a PLC at a uh, at a Timken plant in uh, Gaffney, South Carolina, and that was uh, that was. 25, 25 years ago. So, uh, data acquisition uh, has been has been happening in manufacturing, not just the heat treating industry, uh, but in manufacturing for for a very long time. So, what's really been changing, though, if you look at the uh, last uh, ten to twenty years, is that the technology itself is lending it uh, lending itself because of cost, both from a storage standpoint and processing standpoint, uh, to uh, really being accessible everywhere. So you have more information uh, that's coming out of 
microprocessor controls or PLCs or programmable logical controllers uh, throughout the shop floor. So whether it's a uh, piece of uh, thermal processing equipment uh, or a cooler or anything that's on the shop floor, we have uh, tons of information uh, that's becoming available. Before you might be worried about how you would store all that information, uh, that is a thing of the past. So uh, the amount of information is in, in actually uh, making sense of all of it. That's where the challenge lies today, uh, certainly not uh, collecting it. Ten years ago, are you seeing us collecting anything that we didn't collect then? I mean, is, are the technologies come along that now we're, we've, and, and obviously you're mentioning the storage is no problem anymore. Are we collecting more stuff than we were collecting back then? And if so, you know, what, what is it? What are we collecting now that we weren't collecting back then? That's a, that's a great question, Doug, because back then a lot of, uh, a lot of the data was uh, very specific and focused on uh, process-related uh, information. Uh, now there's additional data that's being collected uh, that can be used for uh, really some predictive modeling, if you will. So it's not just uh, proof of process, uh, proof of process to meet some industry requirements, right? You have to, your customer is expecting you to do this heat treatment process and you have to uh, pro- uh, really prove that you, you perform that. Well, that's a thing of the past. Of course, any data acquisition system that you have today or anything data-related is going to provide you with that. But now there's more data. So on any day uh, in any heat treat facility, captive or commercial, you know, I say there's 750,000 to well over a million data points that are being collected. Uh, and honestly, most people don't even know that they're collecting all that information. Their uh, laser focus is on uh, that one specific requirement. So you know, really, that uh, all that information uh, that you can have is coming from these microprocessors or PLCs. So you're, the amount of information today versus what you're uh, gathering way back when uh, is is really one of the biggest differences. What are some of the technologies that have driven that change that now we can collect more? A couple things. Uh, standardized pr- protocols have been around for capturing data. So you have to have a, me- a mechanism uh, to get the data from from all of these different pieces of equipment. Uh, so, you know, that that's one piece. It's, it's existed for a long time. But if you think about, if you take the shop floor, you know, today versus 10 years ago versus 20 years ago, there's a PC everywhere now. So you have a networking infrastructure that exists uh, that maybe wasn't there. 20 years ago. So maybe you had limited uh, number of people that would be able to absorb that information and utilize that. Today, everybody's using a computer. Everybody's using a handheld device. So now all of a sudden, that information is readily available uh, to lots of people. And you know that's where the difference is. So you not only have the, the networking infrastructure on the uh, manufacturing and the shop floor, uh, but you also have uh, the technology that's available to everybody. Computers are everywhere. One of the contentions that I have is that the reason we're able to gather so much more data now is that we've had advances in sensor technology. Um, maybe you could address that a bit, because I think there are things that we actually are capturing now that we weren't even able to capture before because of advances in sensors, wh- sensors whether it be, you know, IR sensors or uh, whatever. Yeah, you're, you're right, Doug. There's, uh, if you look at uh, the amount of information that's readily available, it's, it's because of the technology that's available to, 
to capture that. So the information, you know, all the sensor technology, whether it's a, a, a limit switch identifying uh, a, a basket or a tray moving to a specific location, uh, or a sensor that's used, uh, an infrared uh, device that's used maybe for uh, just measuring uh, temperature on the outside of a furnace shell, uh, or infrared analyzer used for analyzing the gas inside the, uh, uh, the chamber of where the parts are being heat treated. Now you have the ability to take that additional information and then use that for a decision-making process. So there's, you know, and you're absolutely right. So now you have all this data. Nobody's concerned about the amount of information that you're storing, right? Nobody ever says, well, we're not going to have that much space. Now it's like, take all this information. The problem is uh, people in time uh, in actually evaluating all that. But no doubt, uh, you know, the, the using a sensor to, to monitor vibration of a, uh, of a pump or a motor uh, or looking at uh, uh, the current usage uh, or looking at gas usage, you, you, you know, the list goes on uh, of the amount of information that you can gather uh, from that. And it's because the cost has gone down. So, you know, each of those specific devices, you now are, are lower in cost and uh, reasonably uh, achievable from a data capture standpoint. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is, this is I guess, the way we, we might describe it is to say something like, in the past, we used to put all the sensors inside the furnace to, 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 as you mentioned, validate the process, things of that sort. It seems now that because of, like you said, cost of sensors, things of that sort, the, the fact that you can gather all this data and actually do something with it now, that we're getting sensors on the outside of the equipment to make sure that not just that the process is validated, but that the equipment is also validated, if you will, so we can see troubles coming, that type of thing. Are you, you agree? Yeah, there's no doubt. If if you look at uh, just the, some of the the benefits or, or what we see in the heat treating industry today, uh, of course, operational efficiencies are important. So now you're taking taking the data that you're gathering. It's again, it's not going to just prove that you're running the parts properly, but you're you're able to make better decisions from an operational standpoint. So you can look for better load planning. You can look for reducing time between loads or gaps, uh, gap time between loads and identify you know, what's causing those. Uh, the other thing is using this information uh, for preventive maintenance. Uh, you know, the OEMs today, the, uh, the equipment manufacturers are doing a great job with providing uh, preventive maintenance programs. And it's because of the, uh, the sensors and the data acquisition systems uh, that are enabled even uh, just locally to that piece of equipment uh, or gathered from uh, from a plant-wide standpoint. So it, it, there's no doubt that's where, you know, some of the, uh, the biggest uh, benefits are from uh, doing the data capture and then having, you know, this different sensor technology that allows for the, the preventive maintenance programs that uh, can be put in uh, place. Yeah, and isn't that, in fact, where huge benefits can be gained in the area of preventative maintenance? Well, I mean, unplanned downtime is uh, is is a, a huge cost component uh, in uh, heat treating. So anything that you can do uh, to to manage uh, the uh, the uptime of your equipment, uh, of course, planned downtime is uh, you know that gives you an opportunity to work with customers, work with uh, uh, the the product that's uh, flowing through your facility, as well as uh, managing the. Uh, the incoming parts that you might need for that equipment. So it's a, a huge benefit. And, you know, you can still do uh, preventive maintenance programs uh, in place. It doesn't have to be with new equipment. You just have to be smart about uh, the, the things that are important to that equipment and then uh, utilize that data. You know, I always say that 
uh, this data tool or data uh, data acquisition is is very underutilized when it comes to maintenance. You know, the maintenance uh, department is usually one of the busiest groups uh, within the thermal processing industry. A lot of domain knowledge goes into the the equipment, uh, but they have a lot of this information that's readily accessible to them. So if they could look at this information and anticipate. Uh, that you know that the, that fan is going to fail, that that motor is going to fail, that uh, there's a short of uh, on your uh, ele- uh, electrical elements or whatever that might be. You're gonna you're you're gonna be able to plan for that downtime. That's going to help from an operational standpoint as well as uh, reduce the amount of time that that furnace might uh, be out of commission. And when you're not planning ahead, when you're responding to fires rather than preventing fires, so to speak. It's usually the maintenance guys who catch the brunt of it. Yeah, that poor guy walks into the uh, into every day, you know, dreading dreading work because uh, he's got a crisis on his hands every single time. And if you can prevent that crisis, so he can have a uh, you know plan to do something, it's a it's a totally different uh, work environment. Let's take a quick break here and remind you that additional support for today's Heat Treat Radio episode is being provided by dry coolers. If there's one thing we know about thermal processes, it's that things get hot. And to remove that heat from critical areas, you need a system that is reliable and, if necessary, designed for your specific needs. Fact is, dry coolers has been custom designing and providing standardized units for decades and they have the staff and experience to take care of any of your industrial cooling needs. If you're a manufacturer with in-house heat treating and you need an industrial strength cooling system, make your first and only call to dry coolers. You can look them up on the web at www.drycoolers.com. Now let's get back to our interview with Jim Oaks of Super Systems. Where are you seeing data being used well? The people that are taking advantage of the information, um, of course, are are meeting the industry requirements. They're staying on top of uh, things like CQI nine or NADCAP requirements from a from a data collection and and meeting uh, the customer request. Uh, so that's you know that's kind of the foundation. I always say that's a, in in a lot of cases that's a big driver for uh, electronic data. But the people that are are really taking advantage of that, they're they're using that information for operational benefits. And operational can be, as I mentioned, both from a maintenance standpoint as, as well as just oper- you're improving your, your overall operations. You're looking at why do I have downtime of two hours between loads on this particular piece of equipment? So now instead of uh, using uh, somebody to go search the shop floor and walk out and get a paper chart or whatever, uh, now you have people that can actually evaluate what's the downtime between loads. Look at my gap times. Identify what the issue is. Is it because I don't have enough fixtures? Is it because I don't have enough labor? I mean, the labor market's tight right now, so you want to use something that's going to provide you with uh, how how do I how do I maximize my efficiency with what I have? I mean, my challenges are labor. Uh, my, my my challenges might be my equipment. So am I making the most of my, my equipment? So you can look at that data. You, you have tons of information. So if you can evaluate that, it gives you an opportunity to make better decisions. So that was, that's one area. And then the other is what we just touched on is how can you uh, utilize the data and pr- 
push that out to all my people. Let, let everybody look at this, but only give them the pieces of information that are important. You know, the maintenance department's going to be interested in maybe what my uh, percent output or my, my, my current going to my, uh, to my electrical elements or my vibration or uh, my water temperature. That information is relevant, uh, and if they could uh, isolate that information, they can sit down with their cup of, co- cup of coffee in the morning, and they can evaluate this information. And uh, before they have to react uh, to, you know, the uh, all the, <laughs> uh, the the firestorm that they have in front of them, uh, maybe they can actually plan for uh, some uh, PM activities uh, based off of what the data is telling them. So the right information to the right person is really really critical. So the people that do that are the ones that. Uh, are, are really taking uh, full advantage of the information that they have with a SCADA package. Are you seeing that actually? I mean, is there someone out there that's actually doing it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there no doubt about it. Uh, you know, there people are taking resources and instead of being reactive and trying to find stuff on the uh, shop floor, uh, they're, they're using the system uh, to identify, answer customer needs, uh, and then, you know, create those operational efficiencies. People, People absolutely, no doubt, are taking advantage of that. Looking at shortening uh, time between loads, uh, notifying users when loads are done so they can get the uh, parts out and then put new parts in. Uh, and that's happening with mobile devices. Uh, so they're, they're being notified uh, or emails uh, to, the, to the right people at the right times. Give us the lowdown on what SSI is doing in this area. Our foundation provides us the ability to provide information everywhere. And it starts with the sensor, uh, taking that sensor data uh, into uh, uh, control equipment, whether, you know, of course, microprocessor control, PLC. Uh, but you need to make that readily available so people can make decisions quickly. Uh, so, yeah, proof of process is one thing, of course. But uh, giving access to information, whether a, a mobile device, whether a, a messaging system. So we're, we're taking all of the information that we've already done in the past and, and providing that uh, into the technology that people are utilizing today. And, you know, we, we see huge opportunities uh, from uh, being able to go through the existing data that's there and then look at better ways to capture data based off of the technology that it's becoming available, you know, whether it's uh, how we capture uh, usage of uh, gas or usage of electricity uh, or just uh, process-related data to make sure that the right person is getting the right information. So many of the folks that listen to this podcast are manufacturers with their own in-house heat treat plants, and I'm guessing that many of them are wondering what they can do to move in this direction. What should these folks do next? First step, do an inventory of the equipment. Uh, be realistic about what the, what data you can get out of that. Uh, highlight the uh, the drivers. You know, what are your business drivers for capturing that information? And then, you know, th- at that point, then you're going to decide okay, is it just the infrastructure from a data acquisition standpoint? Uh, or maybe if I truly want to get uh, some uh, bigger bang for my buck, if you will, uh, maybe you have to make an investment in, uh, in, in some equipment. Uh, you know, that's technology down at, the, um, at each, each piece of equipment level uh, to capture that. So then I can uh, realize uh, the gains uh, based off of capturing that information. If a company wants to move in this direction, must they go cloud-based? No, definitely not. It's uh, there's, you know, the the, the cloud is a tool uh, that allows uh, data, basically data and information to be stored uh, externally. 
but the the reality is that uh, the you know a virtual server uh, you know in in many degrees is uh, can potentially be a, a cloud based system, but uh, doesn't have to be. It can be uh, probably a greater a larger number of the installs that we have are are storing information locally and then transferring data to the cloud. Uh, so you know, for, uh, for, of course, for backup recovery or what have you. Address cloud-based security, if you would, please. It's a huge topic uh, as far as the, uh, from a security standpoint. And I would say that most of uh, the companies that um, do the, the SCADA packages are on-premise. Uh, now, that's not all of them, but uh, most are, which means that if you're on-premise, that you have a virtual network or a private network uh, where it's it's not accessible uh, uh, from anywhere unless you uh, create that tunnel into uh, that private network using uh, virtual private network. So, um, so that's uh, what they refer to as on-premise. And you know, then you have uh, cloud, which uh, potentially cloud storage or a cloud-based system is is really just pushing that information up to a server farm that uh, provides access into now. There's, of course, there's security into into that uh, access to that information. So, I mean, it's a, a strategy has to be put forth uh, that that prevents you know external access uh, to that information. So, in in many cases, if you've decided that you're going to go to a, a cloud-based system, you've you've already thought through that, and they've probably already transitioned some other systems uh, to that. So. I, I mean, I think that uh, anybody that's going to a cloud-based system is, is has some security requirements, and uh, you know, to, to really to uh, prevent any illegal access or unwanted access. Jim, thanks for your time. Well, Doug, thank you for having me on Heat Tree Radio. I really appreciate the opportunity. Uh, this topic is uh, important to uh, to us here at uh, Super Systems, uh, the Industrial Internet of Things. Um, you know, industry 4.0 are, are, are relevant, you know, as a technology provider uh, to the industry. You know, we, uh, we really like to get the word out there about uh, what, what types of things are uh, coming, uh, whether it's uh, making data accessible at the, uh, the handheld level or uh, make, helping make decisions. Uh, it's, it's something that's uh, near and dear to, uh, to our heart, and that's because... Uh, a lot of our customers really find this uh, necessary. So I appreciate you spending the time with me this morning, and I really uh, uh, look forward to uh, having uh, discussions around this in the future. That was Jim Oaks of Supersystems Incorporated talking about data and how to get the most out of that data. If you'd like to get in touch with Jim, please email me directly at doug at heattreattoday.com, and I'll put you in touch with Jim. Supersystems can be found on the web at supersystems.com. Suffice it to say, you'll be hearing more from HeatTree today about data and how to use it more effectively for your business. To see more HeatTree technology articles, go to www.heattreattoday.com. We post a new HeatTree item, either a technical article or some industry news every weekday. If you'd like more Heat Treat Radio, simply Google Heat Treat Radio. We're the first thing that pops up. You can also subscribe to Heat Treat Radio on iTunes or SoundCloud. 
One last reminder that today's episode of Heat Treat Radio was underwritten by Dry Coolers. If you have need for any industrial cooling system, give the good people at Dry Coolers a call. They're on the web at www.drycoolers.com. This and every other episode of Heat Treat Radio is the sole property of Heat Treat today and may not be reproduced without express written permission and appropriate attribution from Heat Treat Today. Jonathan Lloyd of Butler, Pennsylvania, produced and mixed this episode. I'm your host, Doug Glenn. Thanks for listening.